You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. We got a full crew and we got a full show. We got a lot to talk about, so much to talk about. Uh, Kirby Smart, interesting comments last night with Rusty on 680 The Fan on their signing day show. We're going to get to that. Uh, The addition of Will Muschamp, his role, his salary, all of that stuff. Uh, May even get a chance to dive into some pay raises for Georgia assistant coaches. Uh, and then uh, second half of the show, it's it's kind of all recruiting. We talk about Terry and Arnold picking Alabama over Georgia on National Signing Day, and then uh, the addition of Bear Alexander, uh, a, a four-star defensive lineman, all-name team with with the name Bear. A lot of funny pictures coming out and memes about that yesterday, and uh, and the addition of the 2022 class. But Rusty, you were there, you were listening to it live, you were talking to Kirby, you asked the question, and. Uh, just want to go ahead and get this out there real quick because, uh, you know, everybody may has not, you know, heard the quote yet. Um, but, you know, you asked Kirby about the portal and, and how Georgia may use that to its advantage. And Kirby's response was, uh, well, we're always looking, Smart said. Uh, he said, uh, as soon as a kid pops in, kid jumps in from a different place, we're always looking, investigating guys. Uh, we're really slow to jump on a guy like that because they want to know if he can play right away and, and if he can help them out. But then he starts to kind of get to something really interesting here. He said, uh, you know, the, the, he talks about the, there'll be some movement after spring with that. And then he says, uh, there's two or three scenarios that, that are out there that people aren't really talking about. Um, they're outside the box. Uh, that'll be interesting to see how they play out. If you look back last year at this time and say, okay, a kid's not signed, where, how did they end up at, at this certain place? Uh, there's been a lot of reclassifications. There's been kids that have announced where they're going in the portal and not actually signed. You don't actually sign until you enroll. So there's a lot of wiggle room left for those kids, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Now, Rusty, what does that mean? Because it sounds like Georgia may not be done in 2021. Yeah, I mean, it kind of caught me off guard. when it, The thinking there when he said reclass caught my mind. And then when he said thinking outside the box, you know, and – you know, all I can think about is, you know, Tony Grimes, the kid uh, that Georgia really recruited in his 2021 class early on last summer that, you know, they were very much in for it and wind up going to North Carolina and, and playing a ton as a true freshman. But when North when Virginia canceled their high school football season, this kid just went to North Carolina in August. So, you know, you start thinking – I had to send some texts out this morning to some kids saying, Hey, you thinking about reclassifying? I haven't heard anything back yet, but that was interesting to me that he said that and said that, you know, there's several, what do you say? Two or three scenarios out there. So 
that leads me to believe Jake, you know, he did, he did address the portal and, um, you know, and I've, I've made that comment on our board and I think people, uh, kind of take back and look when you, when you look at this thing, I've, I've made that comment. They're not just going to take a body. That, that's he, he said it. We're taking, if we take a guy, we feel like he has to be able to play immediately. So, uh, and he also talks about, there'll be another group of guys after spring practice that'll be there. So, when you look at all that, I, I think personally that Georgia's flexible. They got some spots left, and maybe they got some up their sleeve for 2021 that we don't know about. He certainly, um, you know, made that comment last night. It was very interesting, and and I know that our board's already asking questions. So we're trying to figure out. We'll we'll research some things, but very interesting que- uh, answer out of Kirby Smart last night. Yeah, and, and Tony Grounds was a five star prospect, and that was the name that came to mind to me immediately too because. Listen, I, I don't know the kid. You guys may have more insight on this. I don't know him. Um, never talked to him. But Georgia was out for him last year once he decided he was going to reclassify. Because Georgia couldn't add him as a reclassification because they didn't have the spots to count him in that class. And that was going to be a problem. So, you know, Georgia Georgia didn't have the room to add him. And, and that pretty much pushed Georgia, from my understanding at least, and I could be wrong on that, but but as soon as he decided to reclassify, it was kind of like Georgia kind of had to be like, I'm out. And I don't know if that's the reason they didn't get him. Um, you know, North Carolina had started a trend. Dre Bly did a good job with him. He ended up having a pretty solid freshman season, 14 tackles, uh, an interception, three pass breakups, you know, to played in all 12 games. Uh, but that was the name that popped into me. Another name, Kip, that popped into my mind was Brian Herring because – uh, I'm not sure, you know, this was five years ago. I'm not sure if he was known at at this point in time. Maybe he was. But, you know, he had some academic issues to get away, get, get clear, and he wasn't even clear of those until after the, the letter of intent window had closed and Georgia added him. He ended up being a four-year contributor for the Bulldogs too. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if that's one of the out-of-the-box scenarios that Kirby Smart's talking about. But when you, re- when you see that comment, Kip, what's your impression and 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 also did it did it hit you like it hit rusty it catch you off guard it completely caught me off guard and, and you you bring up a, a great reference point in brian herring i mean when you think about this last year and coaches not being able to be out in the road uh, you know not able to have summer camps evaluations i mean they're having to go basically off huddle I mean, the the film that they're getting sent from high schools is is what they're able to go through and do their evaluations. And so there's a great chance that you have guys that have, you know, maybe fallen through the cracks a little bit. So there are guys out there that can contribute at the FBS level that maybe haven't just haven't been on the radar for the most part. So you could definitely find a guy like that and I mean, the other thing that caught my eye, you got you guys mentioned, you know, maybe a guy reclassifying. I mean, a smoke buoy or marquee grows killer brew. Uh, can those guys help in year one? I mean, that you don't know that for sure, but I mean, there's a chance. And then there, I mean, if you have the opportunity to get a guy on your roster and end that recruitment as early as possible. Of course, as a coaching staff, you'd want to explore that option. So, I mean, I, don't, I mean, that's two guys that, that could potentially help out in the secondary. It could be anyone in the class reclassifying. But, I mean, the opportunity to, to go ahead and, and end the recruitment, not have to worry about other teams trying to flip a guy, you know, that's huge. 
But then there's also the other part that he kind of mentioned. You guys mentioned two scenarios. The fact that he said, you know, a guy who is in the transfer portal who's announced but hasn't enrolled yet, I mean, I think that's a, a very veiled uh, hint that, hey, if there, if there are guys who are in the transfer portal who weren't mid, mid-year enrollees, it's still fair game. <laughs> if, they're, if they're enrolling over the summer, then until they enroll in that college, their recruitment is technically still open. They're basically a verbal commitment. So, I mean, that kind of caught my eye as Kirby saying, hey, listen, uh, you know, maybe uh, the war isn't over on some of the guys who've announced their intentions of where they're going to go and, and guys who are going to enter the portal. I mean, until they enroll on campus, you know, it, they can end up at any program. So they're not going to close any doors and, and, until they're officially at the program. And so, I mean – that basically brings up a new recruiting term, and that's maybe the uh, a portal flip, flipping a guy in a portal. So it's a whole new kind of uh, of decommitment and, and flipping a guy, and it's just a different form of recruitment that we're going to have to adjust to. I'm not sure we've had many, if any, uh, transfer portal flips, uh, but if there's a, a head coach and a coaching staff out there capable of pulling something like that off, it's definitely Kirby Smart. Tell you what, the uh, college football recruiting, uh, those two things uh, going hand in hand like that, they they definitely, if you work in this business, they add different phrases, different terms, two word, you know, put togethers, however you want to say it, to your vernacular uh, on a regular basis. Well, transfer portal was not in anybody's vernacular. 2015, 2016, 20, maybe even 2017, then all of a sudden now it's one of the most popular terms in the book and then Kip's bringing out portal flip. Uh, you know, there'll be a hashtag with that at some point, I'm sure. Uh, you know, it's that's one of the fun things about this. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm interested just like Kirby Smart is. And, and the fun thing about it is, is I'm not sure they know. They, I don't think – they don't know. You know, they, they know more than we do, but – I don't necessarily, you know, there's probably going to be a guy on Georgia's roster in 2021 that they don't even know about right now. And uh, that's that's what's interesting to me. And, uh, you know, Rusty, I felt like you said it best there as far as the portal goes. Warm bodies, Georgia's got warm bodies. They've got inexperienced, very talented players. They, they need experience, and they need experienced guys who can come in and help them out right away. And uh, that's what they'll be looking for as uh, on a daily basis, probably between now and the, and the start of the, uh, of the 2021 season. Uh, let, let's change topics here real quick. Will Muschamp, Georgia announced, or Kirby Smart makes it known that he's been hired to the staff as a defensive analyst, says it's already paying off. He's already, he's already, you know, helped out. He's already, uh, he's coaching the coaches, uh, you know, valuable piece of, of, of knowledge there from Muschamp. Him and Kirby are together for the third time. Kirby gets to be the boss. For the first time, which is which is pretty interesting, because I think you know Will Muschamp was over him in the first two stops. So Kirby was uh, a position coach at Valdosta State and at LSU, and and Muschamp was a defensive coordinator in both spots. Uh, but Muschamp's going to make three hundred thousand dollars a year, and and that's almost as much as Jamal Adai, who will now make a half million dollars a year as Georgia's defensive backs coach. That's almost as much as he was making as a defensive backs coach at West Virginia. Um, Rusty, what do you think of this? What What is your opinion on on adding Will Muschamp to this staff and in the role that they added him in? Because this is not a guy, and this is a guy who's been a coordinator or a head coach, 
going back to what, 2003, 2000, yeah, 2003, 2002, somewhere in there. So what are your thoughts on adding him in this particular role? No brainer. I mean, you got a guy that Texas obviously came after. I think Will, and I haven't, I haven't talked to, I've talked to Will once or twice, you know, his son's coming over with um, Muschamp, who's a really good player in the 2024 class. I think he's going to be a, he's going to be a recruit that's going to have offers. And um, I did talk to Will a couple weeks ago and it was only about that, but I think that Will understands that let's be honest, Will got a ton of money. What do you get? 12.9 million from, from South Carolina. Probably hasn't spent a lot of time watching his kids play high school football. Jackson now is at Georgia. Get a chance to spend some time with him. His nephew, Robert, a young man I covered out of Darlington High School here in Rome, is going to be coming from Tennessee down to Georgia. He'll be off the field as well, so he's going to work with his nephew. And his son's going to be in the Athens area at a high school. So I think that Will, family-wise, this is a chance to throw down some roots um, at a school that he graduated from. He gets to work with someone he is extremely close with. Him and Kirby Smart are very, very close. So he gets a chance to do that on Kirby Smart's side. You get an experienced guy. You get a guy that's been a head coach at two-year place in the SEC. He's been through a lot, knows a lot, uh, very, uh, very respected between those two. So you pay him 300000 to keep him from going somewhere else and giving him enough to say this is this is – worth my time to do this, go off the field. And I just think it's it's a win-win, man. I mean, it is a win-win for Georgia to have a guy like that in that room that's seen it all. He's seen from the from the head coach position, from a from a graduate assistant to DC. He's been Alabama, he's been Texas, Florida, South Carolina. I think it's just invaluable for Georgia to have him. And I do think that Will Muschamp's going to be here for a while. I don't think he's going to be you know, look, if Dan Lanning or Glenn Schumann or whatever were to get a job next year, then then Will obviously would be a guy that probably Kirby would move onto the field quickly, in my opinion. But right now, Will Muschamp is not in a hurry. He's going to get time to spend more time with his family, step away from the circle, and get a chance to coach football, man. And, and, and Jake, you, you know, you're a former coach. You know that old saying, just coach some ball. And I think that's what Will's going to do. I think he's going to be valuable uh, resource for Kirby Smart. I think it's a, a grand slam, to be honest. I, I really do think this is a great, great uh, setting. I did, I did talk to someone. Uh, now, listen, this is coming from someone else. So I, I did not hear my, I did not hear Will Muschamp say this, but Will Muschamp told somebody, look, that Dean line that George's got, you're not going to have to cover for very long. This defensive line is special. These guys are special. He's seen them work out now. He's got a chance to watch them in person, played against them. Uh, I thought that was a very, very telling statement that Will was like, hey, you know, there's some questions in that secondary. We all talk about that, but they're not going to have to cover for long because Jordan Davis coming back, all those guys coming back, Trayvon Walker, Adam Anderson, you name it, um, Nolan Smith. We can talk about it for a while. Devontae White, uh, Jalen Carter, Georgia's, Georgia's got some dudes up front, so that's going to be the secondary's best friend. Now, what I'm wondering is, is uh, you know, is Kirby Smart going to reach into child labor laws here and, and enlist maybe <laughs> Weston or Julia or Andrew to, to come <laughs> on staff to kind of balance out the numbers with all them must champs around? <laughs> i tell you what, now, Andrew is the guy, and, and, and Weston's the tennis guy. I, I mean, 
Um, you know, know some people that know him and Weston's a really, really, he plays on like the, the Southeastern tour deal. Uh, Julia is a basketball player like her mom. Thank goodness. But, but Andrew is that guy. He is, he's football through and through. And I asked Kirby last night, um, you know, what Jersey was he going, you know, what Jersey do you wear when Amico played Nick Chubb a couple of weeks ago? And, you know, he's a cheetah guy is what Kirby said. He's got a cheetah Jersey. He's going to wear a cheetah Jersey this weekend. For the Super Bowl, says he can run like him, but you're right. It's going to be a lot of must chance and a lot of smarts running around there. A lot of kids, and I do think that Will's kids going to Wits going to end up at Athens Academy, and uh, obviously Kirby and his wife are very involved with that school. So um, there'll be there'll be some some uniting. It's funny a lot of their kid, a lot of the coaches' kids go to Athens or they go to Prince. So I'd imagine there's some ribbing going on in the office when when that when those two teams, uh, Prince and Athens Academy, play uh, during the season. Yeah, and. Uh... You know, it'll, it'll be interesting. You know, you see Andrew pop up all the time in, in Zoom calls. Uh, yeah, he was there last night. Yeah, he loved yeah, he, to sit there. Yeah, he yeah, was there he, last he, night. The whole time his dad was getting interviewed. Peach Bowl. He was there in the Peach Bowl. Uh, yeah. You know, he's gone viral a couple times with with just just showing up during an ESPN interview. Yep. Um. So, yeah, he's 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 around all the time. He's always at the Cape Sunshine, uh, Camp Sunshine stuff, yep. uh, trying to play football with the players, trying to tackle them. Uh, he's, he's, he's a cob, man. He's He's rough. Yep. And uh, that's how it goes. Uh, Kip, I, I want to get your take on Will Muschamp, too, because um, the way I look at this is that when you've got a coach like that, um, and listen, you, you can debate his merits as a head coach. Uh, you know, he's been fired from a couple spots, and he's rich for it. Uh, but but I don't think there's been very much criticism of him as a defensive coordinator. In fact, he's earned himself a couple of head coaching opportunities as a defensive coordinator. But when you've got a guy like that that is planned for offenses that can kind of put himself in the minds of offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, all that practice, how valuable is that? It's 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 invaluable. I mean, it's we're talking about the same thing as we often mention on this show. You know, talent acquisition. You want to build the strongest roster possible, and we are also in the era where you want to do the same on your, on your coaching staff. I mean, I know that this program gets mentioned more than maybe our, our listener base would, would want them to, but there's a reason for that. You look at what Nick Saban does with his support staff and the high-profile guys he brings in there. There's a reason for that. You can't have too much help back there. You need as many you know, minds, as many people looking for every angle and analyzing everything as possible. And – I mean, you look at Georgia's most successful season under Kirby Smart, who did he have on that support staff? He had Jay Johnson, who had just been Minnesota's offensive coordinator, and I believe he had Scott Fountain on, on that staff as support staff as well, and he had just finished being Auburn's special teams coordinator. So now you look at Kirby Smart here, you, you look at Georgia, the Georgia team, what two areas are everyone is everyone going to be focused on that quarterback development? Well, you have Buster Faulkner returning on the support staff as of now. I mean, you want to keep him on on board if possible. He'd be you know a huge help for the development of JT Daniels for the future development of Brock Vandergriff and the and the, the rest of the quarterbacks there. But bringing in Will Muschamp, a guy who has over two decades of experience, coaching experience, knows defense well. The secondary, every again, we're going to be talking about that position group, uh, you know, every every week basically on the show because we're we're watching to see what happens when you have to replace basically six of your top seven DBs from an experience standpoint from last year. 
Well, Will's going to be able to help a lot in that regard. And he's going to be, as Rusty said, talking about the defensive line, you know, helping out that secondary. Will's going to be able to help a, a lot as well. And, and you just – you can't have as too much help there. Uh, so, I think the addition to him – I mean, th- this is exactly what you want to have, you know, in the SEC. You're stockpiling your roster, but you're also – you want to stockpile that, that, that coaching staff as best you can. And the support staff – is the way to do that these days. Yeah, I mean, you want as many guys in there as you can, as many bright minds in there as you can. And, yeah, you can say whatever you want about Will Muschamp as a head coach, but I think as a defensive mind, there are, you know, he he is in that upper echelon. Uh, he's, you know, few people know more about defense than he knows, and I think Kirby Smart knows that as well. So I think it was a perfect fit, and I think it worked out really well for Georgia. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. And, it, you know, I, I don't want to – I, I kind of look at these off-field staff positions almost as like walk-ons when you talk, to a, or talk about a roster because they're important and they play a big role, but it's not like you're unseating uh, another coach or you're putting a guy in an unfamiliar situation or you're putting a guy in a situation where he's had – maybe some past failures. Will Muschamp's not going to be Georgia's head coach. And listen, I say this as somebody who um, maybe to my own detriment, uh, I read the comments on Facebook posts and things like that when we post, uh, you know, the uh, breaking story about Will Muschamp joining Georgia staff or something like that. And, and listen, we, this is something that's gone back to December, okay? Like we, over at the junkyard, uh, on our message board, on our website, I posted back in December, listen, well, Muschamp's in meetings at Georgia. He's, he's in practices at Georgia. Um, it looks like he's, you know, exploring the options of, of, of joining Georgia staff. It looks like he's going to be on Georgia staff. We had it every step of the way. You know, it, you know it, for weeks there, it could have happened at any moment. Um, but, but, you know, you read the comments and folks are like, well, he's, you know, he was terrible at Florida. He ran Florida into the ground or, oh, he, he was terrible at South Carolina. And, you know, listen, those, both of those teams had their elements of success. They had their elements of failures, but Will Muschamp has proven himself in other ways as an on-field coach. Kirby Smart says he wants to be an on-field coach again. Maybe he gets that opportunity at Georgia. Um, you know, him and Kirby get the band back together. But, but when you start talking about an off-field role, this is a spot where a guy can kind of take a deep breath and, and under, you know, not hit the road recruiting, not that anybody's doing that right now anyway, and he can help out in ways that, that really accentuate his expertise, whether it's in game planning, whether it's in film studies, self-scouting, whatever. Um, you can use a guy in a role like that that you know basically you get to you get to let him throw his 98 mile hour fastball all the time because that's what he does extremely well and and you can get him to throw that thing over and over and over again and add other pieces around it to help out and Will Muschamp has been a dynamic defensive coordinator I look back to his time at LSU and I know that was 16 17 years ago and some of the blitz packages that he put together during that 2003 season when he was with Nick Saban and they won the national championship and how Georgia played them twice and couldn't block it like it wasn't they were they had they had an answer for everything Georgia did offensively for eight quarters and and that's the kind of coach he is did a great job at Texas did a good job great job at Auburn in two different stints and and now he gets to bring that 
to Georgia. Uh, let's take a break real quick, and we're going to get to recruiting on the other side, talk about Terry and Arnold's decision, and uh, and get into the big bear, Alexander, Bear Alexander out of Texas, Georgia's first out-of-state commitment in the 2021 class. I'm sorry, 2022 class. All right, Rusty, uh, you had a very uncertain pick. I think everybody who had a pick on Terry and Arnold 24 hours ahead of time was very uncertain uh, uh, of Georgia. But, you know, I think everybody understood that Alabama, it, it was a toss-up, you know, at best. What can you tell us about uh, kind of about the way that recruitment went down? Because, you know, you you followed it from A to Z. Well, yeah, before I first met him in, uh, I believe in August, I went down to South Georgia and one day uh, went to Tallahassee, watched him work out. His mom was working out with him. His uncle was working out with him and uh, shot some video and met the kid, nice guy and nice family. And, you know, gave me the Richard account vibes. First time meeting him, he's about six foot, 185. So um, that was a hard pick, man. That And, and I didn't want to do a crystal ball because I didn't even feel comfortable. But, you know, in, in the job we do, we make a crystal, we make a prediction on the day before. And um, I picked Georgia and I said, this is a, this is a razor tight deal. Uh, he's kept things very, very close. I talked to multiple, multiple. I talked to Tim Watts. I talked to Steve Wilfong. Uh, even talked to Blake Alderman on the Florida angle, what they were thinking, talked to Josh Newberg. He made, I, I don't know. I made as many calls on a prospect in a long time, trying to figure out, what was going on? What I do know is this. Georgia felt good all the way up into that press conference. I mean, they felt like they were probably going to get him. Uh, there was multiple conversations yesterday between him and Georgia. There was a conversation between him and Kirby Smart yesterday afternoon, probably about an hour before uh, he goes up there. So, you know, and listen, it's his decision. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you don't fall in for what he does. Uh, but I think that two schools thought they were about to get him. And when he walked up there, that was one of those truly press conferences, uh, those one or two a cycle that happens. This was that cycle. This was that guy that you didn't know what he was going to do. And, um, you know, uh, Tim Watts, we compared notes all day. You know, going back to it, talking to Tim last night, the basketball factor was a, was a, was a big deal as well. Alabama – basketball had been in touch with him and talked to him and not saying that Georgia didn't talk to him, but I know Alabama basketball really had some in detail discussions with him. And, you know, that was kind of Tim's angle too. When we talked about it, you know, basketball was pretty involved with that. And I, I wasn't sure it was that case at Georgia. So you, know, you go back and you put together notes and try to figure out things. So end of the day, the uh, Georgia felt good on it and, and continued to felt good all day yesterday. There was a lot of communication again between him and Georgia staff and uh, went up and picked Alabama. I know, you know, we all know another guy that works for another company, a good friend of mine. And he went down last week and he had to shoot two different endings of a, of a video. So, you know, that there was that, there was that with it. So, you know, Steve Wilfong called me probably about 20 minutes before he went to make his decision and that's when Steve felt really, really good on Alabama. Cause me and Steve both were trying to figure out things. And, uh, you know, Steve put in a, a crystal ball of two 
to Alabama, you know, yesterday afternoon and he come back in and upped it once he heard it was Alabama. So, um, you know, it is what it is. It's a great get for Alabama. Georgia recruited him hard, uh, but there'll be another one. Like I said this morning on the radio, when Georgia didn't get Alvin Kamara, it was a big deal. And Georgia fans were let down. Alabama beat them uh, for Alvin Kamara at the first. Uh, but what Georgia fans didn't know was Sonny Michelle in the next class was already a solid commit. You know, and he commits publicly in March. So, look, it happens. You lose. You go on to the next class and you try to get another one. So, uh, that one was very, very tough to cover. It was very, very tough to pick. Have to pick one. Missed it. Won't be the last one I missed. But uh, I think I was very cautious and told everyone, hey, this was, this was one that could come down to the end, and, and it did. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And it's it stings for Georgia because Arnold was a potential impact player. I mean, he would have been, as far as the, the 24-7 sports composite goes, the highest rated defensive back that Georgia would have been able to sign. Um, he... He's a guy that, I mean, could have played safety, maybe could have played corner, could have played the star nickel position. I mean, he was coveted, and Alabama got richer with that one because they had already, you know, sealed up the highest scoring class in in the history of of recruiting rankings in the history of the twenty four seven Sports composite, and then they get Arnold. Um, so that was the, that was the, that was things for Georgia. It really does. It was the only guy they were really left in for. And uh, like you said, it come, came down to the end. Kid played it close to the vest. Reminded me a lot of Nicobe Dean's recruitment, actually, uh, just because, it, the, yeah, there were only two teams instead of maybe three or four like they were with Dean. But it, nobody really was just saying, yep, this is it. This is, this is what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I guess you got to credit Terry and Arnold for that because, uh, you know, these guys don't always do a good job of, of playing it that close to the vest. Kip, what was kind of your take on the decision and, and kind of how did you see it unfold yesterday? Well, first off, it's yeah, it's definitely a miss. You can't sugarcoat this. This is a guy not just that Georgia wanted. I mean, I'm not going to use the word needed, but he could have really helped you know, in that secondary, potentially this season. The opportunity was definitely there. I mean, Georgia still brings in a good secondary group of four guys. I mean, Nylon Green, Kamari Lasseter, those guys are going to have a chance to to really step in immediately with, along with David Daniel and Javon Bullard. I mean, they, they got guys that can help them out of that position. But as far as, you know, Taryn Arnold, like you guys said, I mean, this guy never named a leader – uh, board like in, there was never an order there was never a leader named throughout his recruitment 
And, you know, as we said in articles on Dogs 24-7 all the time, that, you know, he was being diligent with the process, and that's exactly what he did. And with no real official visits, no, you know, in-person recruiting allowed in any form on campus, off campus, no in-home visits, it's just different for us to cover. And so, I mean, we can usually get insight through sources on things like that. But when they're not able to have any actual contact w- with anyone, it's definitely a lot tougher for us as far as just kind of piecing everything together. We ha- it really forced everyone to to really dig deep and, and try to get as best we can. But at the same time, you have to think for coaching staffs, they're kind of the same way. I mean, when, they, when they're able to spend time not just with a recruit but his family, you know, they build those relationships and they are able to get a feel – for where they stand when you're doing it all over zoom it's got to be a little bit tougher just to really really know where you stand unless the the kid flat out tells you but then at the same time you have to think is he telling the other school that too and that happens often you have recruits don't want to tell anyone no and they still they don't want to tell them that they're second or third because i mean who wants to do that it's not something that you know, anyone would want to tell someone you're not my number one. And we're talking about a teenager here, you know, getting recruited an experience that's really unlike anything else. So it's got to be difficult for the, the coaches to, to know really where they're at and to get a good feel for that. I, I know that as far as George is concerned, back in the early signing period, I thought they, they were in a really good spot. I, I think as far as, you know, him tearing and talking to the guys that signed, I know that they had a a long live chat together, uh, him, Xavier and Sorry, David Dangle, a bunch of guys, and all they talked about was what they were all going to do at Georgia together. Uh, but, you know, again, that doesn't, that doesn't count in the end. It just goes you to show that, you know, Georgia w- was in it going into the final month. And, again, you know, Alabama continues to kind of set the bar for everyone else. But for – for Georgia, you just move on. If, if there's a positive to this, it's the fact that with only one guy in the 2021 class to really still recruit, Georgia's been able to make a lot of progress in 2022, focus on that cycle, focus on evaluations, get guys on board committed, and, and really put themselves in place to, I mean, have an even better class potentially next cycle than, than this cycle. And people are talking about this class you know, right now, number three, could up number four. It's still, as far as Kirby Smart's classes are concerned, the second highest rating per signee of any class that he's brought in. You know, it's uh, the average rating is a 93.5 per player. That's absurdly high. It's, again, it's letting you know that the talent he's bringing in is at a very high level. And, and, and so looking ahead to 2022, I think they're set up really well to bring in, you know, an even better class. It should be a bigger class as far as numbers. And they're in the mix for some elite talent. So that's kind of what I take. Like Rusty said, you you move on from this. You move on to the next cycle. And I think only recruiting Terry and Arnold, I mean, that's the plus you take from that is that they had nothing else to do right now except recruit the next classes. And they're really well positioned to to have a special special class next cycle and let's uh let's jump on to that real quick because uh trey scott you know, listen and listen it's an out-of-state commitment I'm, we're not going to sit here and say boom georgia got it you know bear alexander signed sealed delivered 
Um, but he's an impressive prospect, and Trey Scott is is quickly becoming an impressive defensive line coach total package. Uh, development has been great. Evaluation has been really good to great, maybe even elite when you consider a guy like Jordan Davis and, and you know, kind of Zion Logue coming on like he did last year at, toward the end of the season. And uh, recruiting is something he has really grown into and has done an incredible job of the past two or three cycles. And uh, right now, Georgia has two four-star defensive linemen committed, two more in-state four-star defensive linemen on the board. And, Rusty, what did you think of, of the addition of Bear Alexander and, and Trey Scott's kind of recruiting prowess here? Another another guy, you know, look, they're going to have to hold on to this one. This one's going to be a battle, you know, out of Texas, Texas A&M, Alabama. Um, you know, everybody's involved with this one that wants this young man. But, you know, we always get the question, who who's going to be Jordan Davis's replacement? And this kid is – this is a prime example of a young man that Trey Scott has been getting for that position. I watched some of the tapes on him yesterday and, Man, his get off, his initial punch, his hands. This kid got violent hands. I, I, I love his tape. George's going to have to hold on. This is not going to be easy. Uh, they're going to have to hold on to him. But you look at a guy that could play in the middle and be that guy that what Jordan Davis was for George, this is exactly that type of player. If they get him in this class, get him signed, that's going to be a huge accomplishment for Trey Scott. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's, that's one of those, it's one of those where he might have to work harder to keep Bear Alexander in the fold than he will to recruit a Michael Williams or, or a Kristen, uh, Kristen Miller. I mean, you know, those are two four-star guys left on the board that Georgia could add. And um, it's going to take just as much effort to keep Bear Alexander in as the others, because Texas new coach, a lot of a uh, lot of momentum there. Texas A&M obviously has had a lot of success, and they're feeling real good about their program right now. Um, so there's there's a lot of that story left to be written. But when you look at the past few classes, man, I mean, getting Jalen Carter and um, and Nazir Stackhouse and uh, Warren Brinson, who t- was one of the bigger surprises to me this year, not because he went out there and dominated, but just because you didn't hear much about him. And then bam, he's out there playing in game one and and playing a key role uh, in, in multiple games this year. And then, you know, previous class, Trayvon Walker, Zion Logue, Tramel Wildthauer is going to be a big part of uh, Georgia's plans, I believe, at defensive end. Uh, jury's still out there on Tymon Mitchell and, uh, and uh, Bill Norton. Uh, but Trey Scott has, has slowly but surely, um, over the course of the last, what is it, five years? Yeah, because he, he was hired after Kirby's first year, has, has become a really, really strong recruiter, a great evaluator, and a great developer. And, uh, Kip, I just want to get your raw take on Bear Alexander. There's not a ton of film out there. He played in three high schools in three years, uh, but he was also a second-team Max Preps All-American this year after playing just half the season. What are your impressions of him just as a prospect? Brute strength. I'd be interested to know what his weight room numbers are and because every video I've been able to see, whether it's single clips, whether it's that, that playoff uh, game highlight that we have right now, he is knocking the offensive lineman back and driving them into the ball carrier you know, on every other play. It, it, he is a nightmare for one-on-one matchups. And, and that, I mean, that's – you can't ask for anything more if, if you're scheming for Georgia's defensive line, the ability for a guy to, you know, just overpower one-on-one uh, blocking assignments. I mean, that, that's exactly what you want. He's, I mean, we're not talking about just a guy that's going to just 
have to take on double teams every snap. They do a lot more than with Jordan Davis than, than just telling them to take on two blockers. But still, having a guy who can do that, uh, you know, that's a huge plus. And he is able to do that, but he's also really adept at, at moving laterally and, and kind of chasing the ball carrier a little bit. And that's kind of what kind of stood out to me is not only – is he really strong? But for a guy who's 6'3", whether it's 3'10", whether it's 3'20", he moves really well, and, and that's exactly what you want. I mean, if you have mobile quarterbacks, you have, you know, they're trying to run stretch plays, a guy that can still chase down the ball carrier uh, at that size is, is a huge plus. And there's a reason why we continue to talk about replacing a guy like Jordan Davis is because there aren't a lot of guys out like that him out there. I mean, there's, you just don't have a Jordan Davis, you multiple Jordan Davis on the roster, uh, you know, if one. So for Georgia to be able to get a guy this early in the cycle who projects pretty well to be that kind of player, it, it's huge for Trey Scott. And like Rusty said, an out-of-state guy, getting him, you know, in February, Not we're not trying to, uh, you know, uh, kind of rain down on the the uh, the parade that should be happening as far as celebrating this guy's commitment. But it is going to be a battle. But that's what you want if you're Georgia. You want to get guys in your class that other schools want and that other schools want to flip. And that tells you you're recruiting the right guys. And so for Kirby Smart and his staff, they know, hey, this guy liked us enough to jump on board. Oh, we got to keep this guy. And I just think that his overall skill set, uh, you know, is elite. And I think, you know, when all is said and done, he's a guy that I would, I would say is probably going to be a top 100 prospect across the board. Just from what I've seen, we got to see complete film to get a better picture, but he checks, he checks all the boxes from what we've seen of an elite defensive lineman in the 2022 class. There's a lot to like about him. Uh, that's for sure. And he seems tailor made for a, nose tackle role and make it develop into a playmaking type of nose tackle, something Jordan Davis has given Georgia uh, these past uh, two years. Uh, that's all we've got for today's show. Hopefully, I got something lined up, a little bit special. Hopefully, we'll have something a little bit different for you guys early next week. You got a couple special guests coming on. Uh, don't want to uh, pay, you know set that in stone yet, but it's something I'm working on. Don't want to announce it just yet, but uh, a, a couple of guys, um, you know, wanted to come on the podcast and uh, going to be glad to have them and talk with them a little bit. Uh, and, and you know, I think it's going to be some pretty fun stuff. So stay tuned early next week. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, that's all we got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. And as always, you guys take it easy. <laughs>